So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. You're listening to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and I've got big news. Sitting next to me right now, in the same country as myself and Leo, we have Toby. Toby, you're here. You're back on Australian shorts. I did it. I'm back. I'm back. He's I'm escaped. Ready to He's escaped. What did you have to steal to get sent back here? I just a loaf of bread, man. That's all. That's all it takes. That's all Classic move. Classic move. I was hungry. The old loaf. The old loaf. He's, he's made the right choice. He's come back here just as it starts to get cold over there in England. He's, he's come back to Australia only for a short time, but glad to have him back. He's brought the cold and the wet. At least the farmers will be happy. <laughs> That's what Always we're concerned so. about on the Rugby Rugby podcast. That's it. That's it. We're taking hey, a different angle. We're just support, back in the box. Got to support our country brothers. That's, That's where true. a lot of the best players come from. Will Miller, baby. That's true. Yeah, Will Miller, Ned Hannigan. Yeah, Ned Hannigan, Judd Holloway. Anyway, you you are listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. Um, Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at the Running Rugby Podcast. Uh, Another big show. Obviously, we weren't weren't back last week because, you know, we we had to take a bit of reflection time uh, and have a think about where Australia is at in the rugby at the moment because a few different feelings going around. Um, But we'll get to that in a sec. Obviously, we'll recap the second round of the Rugby Championship, second Bledisloe in that, and preview uh, this next weekend's games coming out. But also we'll have a look at that first round of the NRC. Also we had Shoot Shield wrapping up last weekend and a few other sort of big news and big signings just in Australian rugby. But boys, so I know it's I know we've tried to bury this memory from wow. two weeks ago. Um, a lot of it seems like a lot of reporting things were like, nah, we're not probably going to report on that. But the second blade is low. Eden Park, Wallabies, All Blacks again started a little bit strong, started like we might have a chance. But beware, Bowden Barrett. Oh my god, four tries and he takes the All Blacks to a 40 to 12 win. Deja vu is very much like the first game. Except Bowden Barrett was even more present, and I'll tell you what, he had a he had a pretty uh, forgettable super season compared to what he's normally up to. But he's right back in form now, and and the Wallabies felt the brunt of it. We got absolutely wiped in that second mm-hmm. half, and yeah, yeah, two weeks in a row, a bit of the same story. Put put to rest any of those thoughts of people speculating that Mawanga should get a chance at that ten jersey. Oh, how would you feel? He was like. He was the gun in Super Rugby, and now he's had door slammed in his face, and that is very unfortunate for a good player. Yeah, yeah, but you say that. I mean, I think the the only reason he's going to get a start this weekend versus Argentina is because Bowden played so well, and now everyone's kind of like, well, well, Bowden can have a rest because he's back in form and we don't need to play him so much. So yeah. It's actually worked in Moenga's favour in some regards. You did well, Bowden. Four tries, good job. Yeah, have a break. Have I a think spell. Have a I think that is a thing under Steve Hansen. If you score four tries, you get the next week off. Hmm. Two weeks. In That's what you do in most sports. If you score points, sub the guy. Sub, sub straight off. It's like AFL. You kick Yank a him. goal, you go to the bench for like five minutes. So yeah, it's rewarding him. 
You know, I, w- <laughs> I wish some teams did that against us. It'd be handy. Uh, but Oh, well. What were the big talking points in this game, guys? There weren't a huge amount of injuries. Obviously, we were without Falau. Let's start there. Dane Haylett-Petty uh, stepped in at fullback. What did we think? And we had Maddox and Banks again getting a bit more time debuting. What were our thoughts around that sort of back threes? I liked Maddox. Again, he was involved. He was active. He, he made sure he got plenty of touches from early on. Uh, and, he, and he created good opportunities. I think Haylett Petty was solid, if not remarkable. Uh, I still feel like we're not using enough of these super boots that we have on, on Hodge and, and Haylett Petty. If they're there in the team, we need to do, do more territory kicking with them because they're, they can add 10 metres on what the inside backs are, are producing. And good to see Banks get his debut and Falau Fainga. Uh, I think they both had a reasonable game, a reasonable uh, injection in a, in a losing effort. I don't know. I think it just came down to, like, defence was there in the first half again and we kept things close and then just, just kind of fell apart. I don't know why that is. People keep talking about fitness. I don't know if the, the All Blacks just tend to work out our systems after a half of football and they just make adjustments and then come out in the second half and play a little bit differently. Um, but we just, I think we, we missed 40 tackles again. So like you said, Leo, it was really deja vu from the first game in that regard as well. If I had the time, if I wasn't gainfully employed in a non-rugby-related matter, I would spend some time analysing those All Blacks Wallabies games. And I'd be really interested to see how many times they set up uh, plays that run at the same player if they do try and wear down certain players at an individual level and and make make the most of it later in the game because I felt like Rodder was targeted a little bit. I felt like he, he missed a couple of tackles late in the game and he was doing a lot of work early on. And you think if they just choose to run, you, you're standing in front of the opposition defensive line and say, all right, we're going to run at that guy and then we're just going to keep trying to hit that guy, wear him down a bit. If the other team doesn't recognise that and, and sort of step in and help support him, it becomes a weak link, and the guys either get belted or tired, or you know maybe just a bit overwhelmed with all the work. And I felt like I felt like Rodder was was a bit of a, a weak spot in defence, and maybe that's just switching off his individual assignment late in the game. I think it happens with Bill a little bit. Like they tend to target him because he can be a little bit lazy with his tackles. Um, but the way we our defence works, we kind of our outside backs kind of keep their structure. But Curly and like Foley kind of go everywhere around the field, so it is probably harder to ta- uh, target those guys. I think. Um, I don't know. I just think the rush defence it can work when we do it well, but if we we get a bit tired maybe and we just don't seem to be as precise with that, and the All Blacks mm. just throw it wide and find gaps everywhere. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. Nathan Gray. He doesn't have a great track record with the amount of points scored against the Wallabies overall, I think. We tend to concede quite a lot of points over the last couple of years as well. Just It seems like we concede 30, 40 points a game um, for half the games we play in some ways. You're saying get him out? I'm not. I, I don't think... You're calling for it? I Look, I'd like to investigate that further. I don't think he gets scrutinised enough. There's been a couple of times, maybe more last year, where he was his role was called into question, but... All the focus seems to be on Cheka as head coach, which I mean, if you've only won one game this year, then I can understand that. But I think the defence is, is probably largely one of the bigger problems that we have. I just worry that doing that sort of rush-up defence, and I think, look, it may be part of 
fitness, but I don't think even the fittest teams can do that for 80 minutes going on. And so you're right, they start to wear down a little bit and the All Blacks are good enough and their back line is good enough that they can throw a couple of cutouts and get around them. Or when they see, after they've thrown a couple, people try and run up, rush up even more and our outside guys get up faster and then suddenly just there's huge amounts of gaps for someone like Bowden just to explode through. They just bide their time as well. The All Blacks are very patient and they just trust their own systems. They don't panic. If, if we look like we're actually keeping them at bay, they don't throw their systems out the window. They know that if they persist with that, that eventually they will work. So they say that we're still learning our defensive patterns and that last year we hadn't quite mastered that. But I don't think we're necessarily any better. Yeah, I don't see any this mastery. Year. Maybe for periods of time, 20, 30 minutes at a time. Mm. But then it seems to fall apart after that. So you wonder whether they should go back to a bit more of a conservative system. Um, that it probably doesn't it's not going to produce as many intercepts and, and big hits maybe but maybe overall for, for an 80 minute game like leaks less points yeah you're going to leak less points you, you want to be leaking maybe 20 points or less like mm. it's not often that the Wallabies do that anymore with, with the good teams they play they're conceding 20-30 points a game and we tend to only win when we really score 40 points or more I think against the good teams is there so I've Sort of an agreement, but maybe like I don't mind the system. I think the execution is what's lacking. Maybe some focus, maybe some fitness. But consider maybe is is there is there an issue with when we're introducing our subs? Are we are we a bit are we feeling like we don't have the depth to bring the bench on? We're too and, late. We introduced them too. Well, that's late. what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. So if, if you feel like if I introduce a bench player, his his uh, quality, his his ability is enough of a step down from the guy you think's your starter and your best player that you're hesitant to do that and leave him on for 30 minutes of the game because that worries you. Like, if that's how you're feeling, obviously you're going to try and leave your best guys on as long as mm. they can handle. Over time, you've got like a game, not just in, in a game, but game to game to game attrition. You're putting an extra five to ten minutes of work into each guy, onto each guy, week to week to week. Does that play into it maybe we need to be a bit more confident on our bench bring them in a little bit earlier and not fall away so quickly having said that the wallabies do concede points almost immediately after half time and if mm. the guys are going to be they're fatigued but they should be fresh should after be, a yeah. break and it still happens and that's that's where i think it's a focus thing and i think if you get rattled before half time and then you go into half time and you know you're listening to what is being said but you're also thinking you know buddy wish we got into that locker room without conceding that last try and then you get out there and you it's you kind of a lot of things going on and you maybe quite haven't quite settled into that second half ready to play again and then they catch you out again and then after that i think it just snowballs i don't know if it's wishful thinking that i like the idea of us being able to switch out of that really aggressive defense because even when you're talking about having your subs on that's still seven players out of your 15 that means every second man is going to be tight which if everyone's trying to rush up still, it's going to create more holes. Like, I like the idea of starting to push up, trying to do that early on, and then recognising when maybe the opposition's getting around you, we're not quite being as on the ball as it, and stepping out of that, and someone on the field being able to be the captain of defence and be like, no, guys, we're going to the second sort of stage of this, and we're going to hold back a little bit because these guys are just flinging it wide, and we're just going to shatter them a bit. There's, there's definitely a balance 
like you want to have plan A and you want to be able to stick with plan A as long as possible because the more plans you have, the more potential mm. there is for confusion and miscommunication as you switch between plans. So one really strong plan that everyone understands and then maybe a one one really clear set of criteria where it's, if the game changes like, we're, okay, we've recognized that we're not we're not containing this other team, we now all need to move to alternative yeah, plan and, and only, again, limit yourself to a couple of different systems because I don't think any team is good enough to have a system for you know every five to ten minutes as the mm. game momentum ebbs and flows. Yeah. Just have a couple of different setups. And you're right, I think they need to recognize that. And that's the, that's the leadership team and guys being honest with themselves, not trying to be heroes. Look, we're getting a bit tired. Let's settle back into this and just grind that system. It might be more a, a conservative uh, defensive line approach. Moving on from that stuff, what do we think of the set piece? I mean, we had a new front row in there. Um, we had a line out where first line out of the game, we stole one straight off the All Blacks. Um, Both still, were better. Both were definitely improved. Still, yeah. still at points, scrums got pushed back. Still at points, line outs got taken. But I think it was pretty, pretty close to actually what you said, Tobes. Um, that sort of fifty percent was almost as much as we could hope for. I think we got a little bit over that. It was not, not too much more than that. I think we deserved more from the scrums. I think we we were a bit unlucky early on. A couple of scrums didn't go our way, and I thought, um, I thought the Kiwi tighthead who was Owen Franks. Yeah, Owen Franks was losing his feet, uh, and and the the scrum kind of got reset without like it wasn't penalised. That was early it was okay, on, boys. and we yeah, thought yeah. Scotty CEO probably should have had it. Thought he had his number, didn't get the early penalties, and then uh, don't get the momentum in this. Yeah, and then suddenly the All Blacks have, have you know pulled some black magic in the scrum, and and they've won a couple of penalties, and then it felt like we'd we'd lost our opportunity with that group in the front row mm. to stamp our authority. So to me, that was maybe ref's decision or the, the assistant not, not chiming in. Um, I, I think but they we love chiming in. The assistants yeah, always love chiming in. So they do when they're not wanted and they don't when they're needed. So you... yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too upset with the set piece. I think it's a big turnaround from the previous week and we should be, we should be commending that because that was pretty terrible first week against the All Blacks at home. Fair enough. Um, and in the other game, Argentina had Springboks come to come to their hometown and they gave them a bit of a feeling of what it felt to be um, Argentina the week before. Uh, came out strong, three tries in the first half, got up early and they held on to the lead despite a late South African sort of attempted comeback with a couple of tries late, but won that game 32-19 to and really evens up the... Uh, that middle of that conference, really. Yeah, I, I think South Africa really needed to win this game. Overall, I think if Argentina are kind of improving under... Um, Super the, Mario. Yeah, Super Mario. Um, I, it's probably the first signs that that's happening. They did they did push South Africa a little bit in South Africa, but playing at home, obviously, they've got a lot more moment, momentum behind them with that home crowd. Um, and that's probably a bit of a threat to the Wallabies when they have to travel over there. I think it's it's funny because even though South Africa have that first win and they do have some points within this rugby championship, I think both the Wallabies and the Springboks are kind of in similar positions right now. Um, they haven't really been performing that well. And I think we're almost at a stage where, look, we're probably quite equal in terms of our, our talent and the way we've been performing. 
So the Springboks against Argentina in Argentina, like Argentina looked really light-footed and and quick out wide. Like they were they were spreading the ball. They were they were chancing their arm with a few cutouts. Same same as South Africans really. They they both played quite wide, but the difference between Argentina and South Africa, I thought, was just that uh, that the Argentinians don't seem really like in their backs at least, they don't seem like a really powerful running team. They're just very quick. Mm. So when all the passes stick, they just flank outflank you really quickly. And they, they have a lot of supporting runners. They have guys like Buffelli making good breaks through the middle and plenty of support around them. That's that's something which is dangerous. And that that's the sort of thing which if the All Blacks weren't uh, paying enough attention, I think someone like Buffelli will, will, will break them open a, cu- a couple of times at least in this game this weekend. I would expect to see him be successful but it's whether they can uh i suppose get all those passes to stick score some points mm-hmm. and then their defense has to be has to be pretty tough but they're they're one of those they're one of those dark horse teams that can can surprise i would i would obviously be favoring the all blacks uh but naturally i think the the argentinians style of play gives them opportunity in sort of any any matchup yeah i mean it's interesting that as you say, that back three is pretty electric between Delgai, Buffelli, and Moyano for the Argentinians, as well as their back row. They have like Ortega Desio and um, Pablo Matera and things who are really sort of mobile pack as well, despite not being not being that small. They're still quite big, but they are very mobile and very sort of good with hands and good with offloads. So they do start to pose a bit of threat when, as you say, when those sort of passes go to hand, whether they can put something, some things together with the added pressure that the All Blacks will put on them. We'll see, but I guess that leaves us after the two rounds in the rugby championship. New Zealand on ten points, um, having two wins with two bonus points. South Africa on five with the one bonus point, and Argentina on four. Um, interestingly, points difference between um, South Africa and Argentina is at zero. They both scored as many points as each other and conceded as many points, and Australia left behind on zero with a points difference of minus fifty-three. So obviously trailing, but we're the ones who've been playing the number one in the world. So plenty of chance to make make some ground there. I was actually quizzing Toby about this a bit earlier, Leo. Do you know where, obviously I think you could probably guess where New Zealand is in the world rankings, but where Australia, uh, where Australia and Argentina and South Africa fall at the moment? I haven't looked at this in a while. I think Australia is somewhere around about fifth. Uh, Argentina have had a little bit of they they were they were up a sort of fourth or saying a, a little while ago, but but now I think they're probably down more like maybe eighth or ninth, and South Africa would be after their after their successful ish tour with England. I'm assuming they're probably fourth now. It's something not, something good. something in that That's role. I think. I assume bad. South Africa is above us and Argentina are below by another rank or two. Surprisingly, you're right with Australia and Argentina. Australia slots in at fifth, um, Argentina at ninth, but South Africa is still at seventh. Even after those couple of wins versus England and beating Argentina, they're still down there, which, yeah, it comes back to a bit what you were saying. Like, they're still under pressure. And I guess that probably leads us into this weekend. Um, Wallabies and Springboks up in Queensland. And we've just had the squads announced and a couple of key changes. Um, Toby, do you want to take us through what's changed for the Wallabies? Yeah, so I mean, primary thing you're going to be looking at here is that Bernard Foley's been dropped, which is a 
I think Archie actually thought this could happen. I, I didn't think there was any chance of Foley being left out. Um, he is on the bench. But in terms of him starting, he hasn't missed a Wallabies game for, for quite some time. Um, and it's it's odd to see him out of the lineup, really. But Kirtley slots in there at 10. And then you got Matt Tamil coming in at 12, which is a, an interesting interesting decision considering I think he just came back from the UK this week. They were obligated to go back to their clubs in the UK. Both him and Pilota now have come back mm. and they're both starting in that 15. Um, and notably, uh, Israel Folau comes back in at 15, which I think will help a lot. Um, the other change there is Rory, Rory Arnold comes into the second row. Um, and was Alan Alatel starting last game? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was still there. So, so. so that's the, the main changes there. Um, the bench is a little bit different as well. You've got Joe Powell coming in for an injured Nick Phipps. Hannigan comes in for uh, Pete Samu, who's been given a rest. And then you've got Rodder back on the bench um, as Arnold starting. And the good thing is we've got Tong and Thor back. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big bonus as well. Um, Tom Banks, unfortunately, has to miss, it, miss out as Jack, Jack Maddox is back on the bench. But um, look, I think the team looks pretty good. It's just whether this... How this change, I think, centrally will affect the back line and whether it will be a positive or a negative. It is interesting. Tamua presumably could slot in at 10, maybe prefers 12. To put him at 12 means you've moved Beal as well. I guess the way the Wallabies play normally is, is a bit of a yeah, mixture of Foley and Beal at first receiver, so it's probably not... It doesn't, won't feel like a dramatic change to Beal, which is good because we don't want too much um, disruption there. And if I'm interpreting those lineup changes, I think I think what Rory Arnold brings, you obviously a little bit more height. I think it's the aggression. Um, he's definitely doesn't take a step back. I think Rod is still a young guy. He's a big guy. He probably got shown up a little bit in that All Blacks game. Um, Rory Arnold, yeah, R- Rory Arnold is a real is a real dogged fighter. Uh, I do I do worry a little bit. I think he's a bit of a uh, target for getting penalised. He he needs to make sure he controls what he's what he's up to in things like malls and lineouts because the odd loose sort of grabbing the man in the air or coming around the side in the in the mall like he he seemed to get picked up in Super Rugby a lot for mm. things like that and and that's the sort of thing which the South Africans will leverage off and just take take the possession take the territory and and keep rolling over us. So um, he's he's there for the size. He's there for the aggression. And hopefully the line-out stays, stays strong. Everything else in the forward pack stays settled. And, and then, yeah, it is just the movements that allow Falau in and, and Foley being dropped. And, you know, Tamua is probably a stronger defender than Beal at number 12. Beal at 10 is probably, I, I don't know, I would probably consider him slightly weaker in defense than Foley. Foley's pretty good for his size. Um, I think Beal will need a little bit more support from his back row forwards around him just to make sure the South Africans don't just run their biggest cattle at him for 80 minutes. Uh, and then and then the bench, you've got guys like Ned Hannigan coming in where Pete Samu is not quite as big. Ned Hannigan's a bit bigger, maybe a little bit more aggressive, another tall timber for the line-out. And um, guys like Taniela Tupu have been out with injury and it's really good to have him back because that's another strong scrummager. We're really we've maybe maybe just sized up a little bit, maybe brought in a little bit more aggression and physicality. Um, mm. We're maybe expecting a little bit less finesse out of the Springboks than we would out of the All Blacks. And actually, it's probably not a bad matchup that they've brought in 
someone like Yanchi's into fly half opposite Beal because that either offense or defense the the matchup there is is probably more balanced. If it had been um, Andre Pollard, you'd have a fairly big back line in the inside backs there and probably a lot of traffic coming through Beal. So maybe a little bit less of the answers. We should be able to pressure him. Odds on Rory Arnold getting carded this weekend. I'd put it oh, at oh, oh. I don't think you 20%. Would. Really? I don't know. I mean, the way these games are going... He's going to slap a ball down from Faf de Klerk's hands and he's going to collapse the line out, I reckon. Uh, I can see him tackling. I can see him tackling the halfback, like yeah. just go, uh, overdoing it at yeah. a ruck clear I'm out. Calling it out. And I taking it's a happen. player too far. But to be honest, like Coleman, oh, yeah. Coleman's just liable to do something. Yeah, like true, that. true. I I really want to see. Even can do it too. It's equal opportunity yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> equal opportunity. Really, anyone could do. I really wanted to see Taniella start in this game. I just don't think they were willing to put him out there, given he's been under a bit of a fitness cloud, but. Yeah, hamstring strain. Don't want to. Alan Latoa hasn't really lit up the the park as well. Like I'm not mm. sure. Same reason been... I don't get picked. I've been under a serious fitness cloud for years. Mate, if you declare yourself, Checker might just take a chance. He might be grateful. He might need to save his job. Surely you're I better than Joe Powell. <laughs> you kind of look like Joe Powell. Just put you on the bench. You just had a haircut. Yeah, I don't look distressed enough. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like. It, it's a it's an interesting few changes in that. I'm not sure this is a better team. If I look at the team from the first Bledisloe compared to what I, I see now, I'd probably be more in favour of the team we put out initially. They didn't quite perform though. No, they like didn't. on form from Super, that, that would appear to be the best team, but then they didn't perform. So it's nice that these guys get their opportunity. I was saying this to Archie though. It's the All Blacks. Like I don't think it's almost it's almost not worthy comparing playing the All Blacks to any other team. So, Are I, we guilty of living in a place where we think we should still be number two or three in the world and we should be playing that well against the All Blacks at all times? And we're not coming to terms with the fact that we've taken a bit of a downtick in probably most like levels of our rugby and our international was able to hold up for a few years and now it's sort of catching up with us maybe. Maybe we are going to be a bit worse for the next 12 months maybe that's just where we are now I don't think I think we were building towards the World Cup and last year we did show some signs after that first game in Sydney in the rugby championship I really thought we were going in the right direction and we did have you know a draw or two against South Africa yeah two um, but we we were kind of starting to perform and then when it got to the spring tour we just started to fall apart again and, and then leading into this year with Ireland who are a really good team we got one win out of three. And Could then it's straight two. into the All Blacks. Like it's mm. you're playing we played five games against the top two teams in the world and we have one win. Which I mean isn't great, but if you look at the rankings it kinda of makes sense. So I'm not sure that we should be too harsh on the Wallabies. And I'm I'm kinda of glad Czech hasn't made too many changes. I think he's forced to make a few. Um, but leaving Foley out, I don't know. I, I, I am a big fan of Tamua. I think it's good he gets an opportunity and maybe this is the best time to do it. Yeah, it's, it's a big call to make um, because it does change that, that back line and the way it operates quite significantly, even though they do play similar roles, I guess, to Moore and, and Beals and to um, Follin and Beal as well. So, At this point, leading up to next year's World Cup, 
you you got to look at when when's your last opportunity to make a big change and and if it sticks let it settle in and it's it's probably now so you need to settle into what is your favored combination take it on tour at the end of the year and then you start next year and you are that is your that is your combinations mm. so n- now is the opportunity like if we if we'd somehow beaten the All Blacks twice and got the Bledisloe back, then they probably would have decided that that proves this is the best combination. If we won one, lost one, they might have said, oh, well, we're still a shot at winning the rugby championship, so this is probably still our best combination. We need to stick with it. We won't tinker too much. Having lost two, we're now in a position where it's very unlikely we're going to win the rugby championship because the All Blacks just aren't very likely to drop the games that would be required for anyone to beat them. So that being the case, we might as well try the B combination that that Checker might have had in his mind for yeah. the last little while. We know how much he likes Tamua. We t- we talked about when they did the the yeah the Checkers trial game stars the, the trial yeah. game. Checker was straight out of the straight out of the dugout after the game, straight over to Matt Tamua, having a chat, five minutes, mm. patting him on the back. You know, looked really positive. He's giving him a lot of good feedback. So. Now is your opportunity to do something like this. You've got not quite a dead rubber competition. We still want to come second, right? Assuming that we can't come first because the All Blacks won't drop the games for it to happen. We still want to beat both Argentina and South Africa at home. We want to get at least one of those wins away. Ideally, two. This is the time when you're going to try that other combination, which it might even come about later because there's an injury. You need to have trialed it a little bit. And that's that's the opportunity they're taking. I think it, we're at risk if we drop this game. We I think we'll beat Argentina in the Gold Coast next weekend. Um, but if we drop this one, then potentially we have one win in the whole rugby championship. Because I I couldn't see us beating South Africa overseas and Argentina overseas if we if we can't even beat say South Africa on home soil. We don't consider this to be as important say as the Bledsloe Cup overall. But in the context of this year and how it's going, it's it's even bigger. The problem is we're millennials and we're in Australia. We're in somewhere where if we're not happy with a team or we're not happy with the Prime Minister, they disappear within months. And the problem is I think we're at real risk of everyone blowing up and then somehow people calling for checkers. They've already been calling for checkers' job. And I think it's just the, the fickle way... and. I, that we think about our rugby teams and our sporting stars and it's not going to change anything you bring in because first of all you don't have anyone to replace him you have Stephen Larkham which is going to be the same system anyway so that's that's the thing I mainly worry about if something happens this weekend people don't think about who's available to replace Checker because you look at look at Checker's history look at what he's done as a coach if you even considered bringing someone like Larkham in to take over or someone else from somewhere else who's not currently coaching an international side, there's not that many people who've been around the world in two or three different competitions mm. and achieved big things and then want to bring their talents to Australia. Like That's that's what Checker did. That's his pedigree. If you're not going to replace him with someone with that or better, then why are you even considering it? Exactly. Well, people basically, there's there's journalists out there that say stupid things like, oh, bring in Joe Smith, the current head coach of Ireland. Yeah, get him into the job, get rid of Checker. It's like, as if Joe Smith would be interested in coming to Australia yeah, He's still to coach. contracted. Yeah, exactly. Um, when he's he been Give up coaching so well, the second best team in the world that you've brought up from nothing. <laughs> they just won a grand slam of the, 
the Six Nations. They beat, they beat Australia at home. And now they're, they're lining up for a good autumn series and then into the World Cup next year. There'd be no chance he would leave his job. Like, just stupid things like that and pondering things that are, are never going to happen. Like, we need to make Rod the McQueen. Most of what we can do. In that same article, they threw up Rod McQueen. <laughs> yeah, it's like you might as well say Alan Jones. Like, it's just a joke. You need to persist yeah. with Checker. He's going to see... Like, if we lose this weekend and he gets fired, it's just going to be the worst thing for Australian rugby, I think. Mm. That, could, that couldn't be any... I think, like, it's a terrible result on all levels. Um, it'll disrupt our World Cup campaign, and there won't be anyone better than him to, to take over. All right, all right. We're, we're thinking a bit too far in the future. Let's concentrate on this weekend. So the Springboks, we talked about it before, Elton Yanksies comes in at 10. He had a few changes in the centres. DLN Day and Jesse Creel in the centres. Uh, Willie LaRue and Fafta Clerk remain in that um, 15 and 9. And then they've gone with a slightly bigger pack with Peter Steftertoit coming in in the back row. Uh, still Franco Mostad and Edzabeth in the second row. Pretty big guys. Um, but they've dropped Malcolm Marks and Matt Aweera, the beast, to the bench and brought on uh, Stephen Kitsoff and um, Bongi... Uh, Bonambi in to the starting line at hooker and prop. So, where are the places we like? What are the matchups you think that we have the advantage, and where are the places we can attack this team? You need to shut down Willie Larue. Based on what I saw of last weekend's game or two weeks ago's game against Argentina, mm. he was the guy running off Fafta Clerk and doing all the dangerous attacking. Yeah. Not to say Andre Pollard wasn't a good grinder and. And didn't play good phases, no, but when they were looking dangerous, it was Willie Larue injecting, and he's picking out. You know, he's got two, three players outside him, and he's throwing the long pass, short balls, inside balls mm. where it needed. So we we push up on him and close him down, and I think their whole back line, aside from aside from being a you know big units, there's there's not too much to worry about there. Yeah, I think they're going to miss what like. Malcolm Marks starting for one. They don't have him in there yet. He's on the bench. So I think that's a big loss for them. I think Elton Yanchez, we, we shouldn't be too worried about him, but Faf de Klerk is a, a bit of a threat. Um, so like you say, Leo, if you can shut down Willie LaRue and Faf de Klerk, I think that back line will just... It won't operate that well. Um, you got really talented big guys in the centres with Jesse Creel and Deliende, but if you kind of cut off those playmakers, I think they're just... They're going to be left without much ball. So... Um, Fords, I don't know, their front row probably isn't as hot as it should be. No. Um, I don't think we should be too worried about that. Though, you know, someone like Ezebeth and Mostard in the second row, pretty talented guys, so I think... Their line-out's going to be a threat again, especially with Peter Steftertoit and Warren Whiteley in. They've got multiple jumpers in. So that's going to be something we need to try and focus on. And hopefully they've been working hard over these last two weeks after having some reasonably poor showings, but obviously a lot better in this last one. Um, I think I think we'll be surprised how much better our set piece is, especially in the scrum this week versus South Africa, than what it has been against the All Blacks. We've got a we've got a massive pack. Like if you take out I know I know we're playing two number sevens, but but Pocock is a pretty big dude. Um Tui's massive Coleman's obviously massive, and then Rory Arnold's like is even bigger, yeah, kilos. yeah. And all our front and Pilotta now is a big hooker. Yeah, he's as a well. big hooker. He's like he's the size of a prop. He's 115 kilo. So can I pose you a question? Because we've got those really big, physical, aggressive guys, should the Wallabies consider, in your minds, taking a game plan for the say the Springboks line out their set piece when they're trying to throw line outs and turn it into malls? 
look at the lesson the Crusaders gave them in the Super Rugby final when, when these guys were playing for the Lions. And they not only did they contest, like make a big effort to contest in those malls, they destroyed them. They pushed through them and broke up the mall before it could even form properly. Like that was, it's more than just trying to match them. It's actually trying to completely disrupt and break mm. it up rather than just stop it dead and force them to bring it out the back and throw it through the hands. Like, should we even consider something like that? It, t- it takes a lot of belief to think you can even do yeah, it. Yeah, see, I don't think we have the but belief that effective. we can do that. I think if any, if a coach knew how to coach his team to do that, he would be coaching his team to do that every single time. Like, the Crusaders were just ridiculous in that game. I don't know if we have the personnel to do that. Well, we have some big levers with big tape. arms. Yeah. I gotta show them that game I mean, tape. You say this, see this. This is how you disrupt. You don't just stand there and try and match them. You push through them and you dominate them and you give it everything at the start and you will scare them. At least, and I reckon that'll. I mean, at least there's four guys in there from the Brumbies, which are kind of a more mm. notable mauling team. Mm. I think the only time we should really try and do that is when they're five, ten meters out, like when we really have to do it. Because if we don't kind of take that aggressive approach, I think they'll just form a pretty solid mall and push over every time. Um, but all around the field, I'm not sure we need to. It's just probably when they're really in that attacking position. And that's mostly what the Crusaders did. They really aimed up when they kicked They the shook the confidence and... of the Lions no matter where yeah, they were. They did. They, they made them reconsider their best attacking weapon. That's with Malcolm Marks playing as well, which I think that's true. having They'll him on the bench without. will be a bit different the mm. way they'll approach it. I think the Springboks will be a little bit more conservative. The place where I want to attack this Springboks team is, which we're talking about kicking to corners and things, this is the Springboks team that has very few kicking options. You have Elton Yanksies, um and you have Willie LaRue. Like, DLN Day Creel, Baptist Clerks, Boxer, not bad. So I would really be trying to put a lot of pressure on those guys early on their clearances. Their wingers cannot click. So I would be putting the ball down deep and getting some chases through. You have to be wary, especially of Deanti, because he's supremely quick and he can put, yeah, he can put a step on and he can get through a gap and he'll be away. So fine touch. Find touch and use Haley. No, Petty I don't know if you have to find touch though. Kicks. No, I think you just have to be aware of him. I think you just have to be aware, and I think he'll end up being on the same wing as Corabidi. I think attacking them out wide, like but, defensively, yeah. their wingers are going to struggle. I think, mm. particularly with someone like Haley Petty, who is a very smart player, I think he could really orchestrate something there out wide. He'll be facing up against um, Mapimpi, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's where I want Maddox, but. That's, to two see, that's why I would yeah. love to have Maddox there. Yeah, Maddox is still developing, though. I think defensively, Maddox does still have some gaps in his game. Haylett Petty, a better decision maker. And I think Corabidi's approach in terms of how aggressive he is, he is and also his chasing ability, I think, really sets him apart from a lot of wingers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think out wide, South Africa are a little bit vulnerable. I think in certain attacking situations, there'll be quite threatening but there's a lot of areas where I think their wingers are, are not going to match up well with ours so kicking kicking deep into the corners trying to force their wingers to make decisions under pressure which means if we're not kicking for touch then we need a strong chase to yep. create that pressure yeah, so don't, all don't that stuff is saved by Corabides yeah don't kick to Willie LaRue definitely um, and and again it's 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 kind of a crusaders line that you, you mm. kick for the territory 
but you you try not to necessarily generate a whole lot of lineouts because maybe yeah. you suspect that that's a weapon for them and even in their own half or even in their own quarter they might be able to control that too well draw some penalties out of you and then get the run of the decision making for those set pieces that you don't want to give them too many opportunities to to settle that in the ref's mind yeah i think that's fair i think that's a good way to look at it so what do we reckon boys what will be the final score here what will be the line do we think are we all thinking the wallabies going to come away with a win here yes that's the first question wallabies by 14 Whoa, that's a that's a bullish pick. I, I, I'm only more confident because they're playing Yanchis. If they were playing Pollard, I'd, mm. I wouldn't feel great about it, um, particularly because we've mixed up our playmakers a little bit. You'd have to think, look, at least they've had a couple of weeks to, to regather themselves and refresh. I just hope they come out focused and they don't kind of let the pressure get to them. I think the Wallabies can do it. The the gambler, uh, sorry, the the bookies are saying it's five and a half points head start for the the Springboks. I think it should be close to that. I'm probably picking the Wallabies by two. Um, I think it's yeah. gonna, I think it's going to be a tight one. A two. Yeah. See, I was I was very much similar to you when I saw Yangshi's. When I saw Marks not starting, I thought that that I feel like that costs the Springboks sort of their lead in the margin. I think it probably means the Wallabies can do it, but I want to see them doing it emphatically, probably probably by uh, 7, 7 to 10, I reckon. I reckon they're going to hopefully stay strong and hopefully be able to control the Springboks, who we know can put on some quick points as well as they've done in the last game. It, just, it would be so frustrating if they came out, had a great first half, and then capitulated again. Yeah. I just, yeah, they need consistency. We've seen we've seen it two two weeks in a row. We don't want to see the third. Um, all right, let's move to the other game. Third. Oh, I was only going to say I think the Wallabies are a smarter team. I think we just need to make sure we're we're physical enough that we don't let the the big like not because they're bullies, but the the South Africans bully us back into a really defensive, conservative mindset where we're not willing to play expansive and stick with our game plan. Then we need to just take a breath and look at what they're doing and be really patient and smart and break them down in a bit more of a methodical way. And I think I think, I think think we've got the, the points in us for sure. We, we stopped their, their big rolling set piece. Yep. I don't think they've got too much more to attack with. I like it. I like it. So that's obviously out of Suncorp, 8 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Before that, of course, New Zealand taking on Argentina. That's out of uh, Nelson, which is a bit of an irregular place for the All Blacks to play, but should be good. New Zealand boasting a few different changes in their lineup. Um, we already mentioned Moanga gets a start at 10. Uh, get a bit of a different look uh, in the back row as well with Shannon Frizzell and Artie Savia starting. TJ Perinara comes in for Aaron Smith. And Milner Scudder comes onto the wing. Ben Smith switches back to fullback, and Geordie Barrett uh, disappears and has a bit of a rest for this one. Um, as opposed to Argentina, which is a lot of the same. Um, few key differences in Landerhoe coming in for Bertrano at halfback and Dela Fuente um, sorting in there at 12 for him. But they got that same quick back three, and you still got Kramer and Ortega and Petit and Lavanini in that sort of tight five and back row. Uh, so, reasonably similar team for the Argentinians. We already talked a little bit about what they can do, where they're sort of potent. Um, I just want to get a bit of a pick from you guys. What do you reckon? I think we're all going to pick 
New Zealand, what do you say the odds are, Toby? Like one a dollar, dollar or two, dollar or two. The All Blacks. Yeah. You can't go wow. past the All Blacks at the moment. I just hope that Argentina kind of keep it respectable and and keep a bit of the form they've showed in the last couple of weeks. Maybe put a couple of trials on the All Blacks at least and and keep it close for most of the game. It's um yeah I can't see any team in the world at the moment beating the All Blacks and you know it's let alone the ninth ranked team in the yeah, world. Yeah, they've changed up their team. That's that's probably one benefit to the the Argentinians, but they've got so much depth that I, I don't think it's really gonna really change change the result at all. Yeah, look, the Argentinians they've still got that big engine room, the aggression of Petty and Lavanini, uh, and they'll take a Desio. The the backs mostly the same and, and I, I'm really I think Buffelli's a really amazing player I reckon he'll mm. find gaps in any defence even the All Blacks so uh, if he can if he can get on a bit of a hot streak and, and be used well and, and find gaps around either maybe inside Lamarpi or cutting into the backfield and pick up some wingers there's definitely some points on offer uh, I think as you said Toby you can't go past number one team in the world and they would probably be pretty comfortably doing this at about a three try margin but it would be good to see a good 60 minutes where it's fairly well matched i think the all blacks just always have that final say in the game they always seem to put a couple extra tries on so within seven for 60 minutes and probably blows out to three tries at the end no no way they're going to be worse than what australia was so it's going to be i reckon a 40 to 12 point line is probably close to where it's going to end up again um but i don't give the pumas much chance with this one but i'm going for him Come on, Pumas. Uh, not quite the Sex Panthers, but we'll see. We'll see if they can gain some of that that sexiness the Hagiwara has brought to that team. Uh, maybe it was all Super Mario Ledesma. Maybe that's what it was doing. I don't know. Should Shield wrapped up on the weekend up at North Sydney Oval with Sydney Uni taking down Warringah in the final. A few, few Waratah and Wallaby sort of conscripts in helped to strengthen out that Uni team. Uh, and NRC round one kicked off and few big scores coming out of that. The Drua out in Suva took down the Melbourne Rising, 40 points to 17. Uh, the Vikings, 35. Lot went down to Queensland Country, 45, in a rematch of last year's grand final. And Brisbane went down to the Western Force, 47 to 29, up in Brisbane. So a few teams there um, showing a bit of class there, the Force and Drua in particular. Um, obviously, the Sydney teams will be kicking off this weekend. But... Did you boys see anything that you like the look of there? I'd certainly watch some of those Drua highlights. God, that team can offload. Oh yeah, it's just the ball never the ball never stops moving, and it's just hands to hands to hands to hands, and the support play, like the speed of the play and the support, like those guys just know how to keep it alive. And mm. as long as they can keep moving forward, they've always got the opposition chasing. And no, it's just great, great style, classic Fijian style rugby and. And makes them a very competitive team, and they'll be they'll be challenging the top players for sure. Definitely, especially when you look at that rising team, and it's a lot. Of, it's pretty much the Melbourne Rebels, really. Sons a few Wallabies, so a strong team that should be should be sort of pretty strong, sort of going forward. But Drew are too good. I see them as definitely as semi finalists or more. And the Canberra Vikings were strong, not strong enough, but still very strong, and and looking very much like the Brumbies. Uh, Falau Fainga getting over for a for a hat-trick of tries, I think, in that one mm. uh, off the back of some malls. So, so showing the Brumbies set-piece pedigree. and and But, you know, then the Queensland country boys got up and they're a team that's playing without 
a bunch of their guys from last year because they've all been conscripted into the Reds and the Wallabies. So mm. uh, for them to be still playing strong, they've obviously developed a few extra guys last year to come and, and take the front uh, front line after guys like Caleb Timu and uh, um, Pangara Mosa and other, others graduating out of that group. So, you know, really, really good to see Queensland rugby strong and, and looking forward to see the New South Wales boys get into it this weekend. Definitely. Speaking of this weekend, we have another Drua game out of Fiji taking on uh, Brisbane City. Uh, Sydney Rays kick off their NRC year versus the Vikings in Sydney. Um, Queensland Country taking on the Melbourne Rising. And the Western Force back home in Western Australia and the uh, New South Wales Country Eagles have to travel there. It's a bit of a hard start to their season going over to the Force who scored the most points of the first round. I think Drua, Rays, Queensland Country and Force would be my picks this weekend. I think those that's all that's all the, home, all the home sides. That yeah. but they're they're still at the, the top end of their of their um, competition there. So four four really good games. If you can uh, get out to those and, and give them a watch or catch them on the stream, uh, you'll definitely enjoy what you're watching. Other news in player contracts, uh, Wells, Michael Wells of the Waratahs signed on to 2020, but signed on for next year playing with the Sevens as well as the Tars. He's participating in the first six, I think, international Sevens tournaments of the years before heading back to join the Tars. So a bit of an yeah, interesting well, one there. Um, but obviously being a very mobile sort of forward for the Tars this year, so see how Absolutely. we will go there. Um Leo, I believe you saw this. Quaid is uh, still in talks with the Rebels, or the Rebels still hoping to get him down and around maybe to help them next year. Yeah, I saw an exclusive article on a on a uh, common rugby website that seemed to say that he's been in com- um, conversation for the last couple of months and the Rebels are still very keen to get him. Uh, they, When the Rebels talk about their, their team, their squad, they even guys like Genia seem to seem to think like this is this fly half position this is where we're struggling um you know they mentioned that Tamu is going to be there next year but he's not going to be there till later in the season nobody mentions Debrasini they often they'll, they'll mention the fact that Hodge stood in capably but I think that's not where they want to use him long term so they've definitely got this this mentality that their 10 10 spot is critical and it's a bit of a hole at the moment. So, sure, let's try and bring Quaid down and then you can put the 2011 Super Rugby halves pairing back together. Um, I don't know if they'll be quite as elite as they were back in 2011, but, look, it, I think we've said it before. If, if the guys' uh, attitudes change and they're, and they're happy to, to move, we know Quaid was very devoted to the Queensland uh, area for rugby. If he's happy to move to Super Rugby, good on him. Let's get more guys, high-level competition, uh, in play and, and, and try and help the Rebels continue their strong re- rekindling after the little merger they've done. You've got to wonder, because we never really found out whether Will Genier is staying for next year. Um, if there is a question of that he may leave and go back to Brisbane, you, we wonder whether they're trying to bring Quaid in as well to kind of um, pair up with Genier to keep him happy. Um, or whether they think Tamu is more of a, a 12, so they want to put Quaid in at 10 and and kind of have that partnership going on and then maybe you play Hodge at 13. I'm not sure where that leaves Tom English, for example, but the, the Rebels do continue to have such a, a good talent, wealth. a wealth of talent there. Um, the Tars could even do with some of the players, I think. And we're getting to a situation again maybe where there's going to be a lot of guys sitting on the bench 
for periods of time where they should probably be starting in Super Rugby, um, just purely because there's just so many good guys there and they're just fighting for spots. And maybe this is where the um, centralised Australian rugby mm. conversation needs to come back online, that we've got four teams, we've, we've re-established reasonable depth across those four squads, and now we want to see the best guys, the absolute best guys involved mm. and not languishing outside the 23 in a, in a strong squad. Uh, I guess you can have the conversation, but it still seems like it's a long way off change. Yeah, definitely. And obviously Vessels has just decided he's going to be the most selfish man in Australian rugby and take all the players. I'll take Izzy Nicerani from the Brumbies now and I'll take Quaid. I'll take Luke Jones coming back. Yeah, Luke Jones coming back also wanting to play at the Rebels. It's just amazing. It's the, one big the party in Melbourne. That's it. It's. I mean, Melbourne's fun. I get why people were going there rather than staying maybe in Canberra. But You could see McMahon coming back to it was a force for us. Well, we'd definitely love to have McMahon back another, if, another, if he yeah, come back to Australian eight. rugby. We'll but he probably doesn't probably doesn't need to clog up the Rebels' back row any more than that already is. Yeah, come exactly. to the Tars, baby. <laughs> come to the Tars. All Get right, the and, and the only other signing, um, which is big props, um, Charlotte Kazik from one of the stars of the Australian Sevens women's team, uh, signed on to Australian rugby till 2020. Certainly... One of the most talented girls in that team. Um, you see her dummy and going through and just outrunning people. Prolific try scorer. So very glad to have her signed on again for another couple of years as well. Elite quickness. Elite. All right, that's that. Pretty much wraps it up, boys. Any anything else you want to want to want to say? I've I've got Toby falling asleep behind me now. I must still be a little bit jet lagged. I think he's doing his best. <laughs> I'm here. Not looking his best, but he's doing his best. Uh, but when has he ever looked his best? Hopefully he will in a couple of weeks when he's getting married. But uh, we will digress. Um, as always, find us on Spotify. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a like. Chuck us a listen. Subscribe to us, guys. We appreciate every listen, every download. Just click the download button. Even if you don't listen some weeks, that's fine. We still get the... We, we only want the downloads. That's it. Don't We're listen. all about numbers. We're all about the numbers. Um, but thanks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around with us this long. Hopefully, we'll have a victory to talk about next week with the Wallabies climbing up maybe a spot or two in those world rankings soon enough. And hopefully, we're not having to talk about a new coach next week. Come on, check. Come on, you can do it, mate. Uh, that's that's it from us, guys. All the best and keep on running. Run. He is so sleepy. I had no idea about that. Toby's very jet lagged, so we won't make him speak about that.